For the curious, the peculiar, the interested, and the thirsty. Welcome to another Mimosa Mystery Monday. Cheers. Let's get weird. So today, I want to talk about curses. I am not a superstitious person. I don't believe in anything like don't open an umbrella inside or breaking a mirror is seven years bad luck, whatever. But I know that there's a lot in this world that I don't know. And I believe in the law of attraction. And I believe that if you put enough of your energy into something, you will get a result of some kind. That just seems like a fact. So I guess maybe that's why I believe in curses in the first place. It's hard for me to put it into words, but I think that if you have an intention and you put a bunch of your energy into something or towards something, that energy and intention has to go somewhere, right? Energy is real and our bodies are physical energy. That's one of the things that I feel qualified to say with certainty. Energy is real. So if you take your body and your energy and that strong feeling that you can like pull up from the pit of your stomach to believe or intend something, where does that go? What if that feeling or that intention that you're mustering up with your energy is negative? I guess I just don't believe that all of that can be felt so intensely and go nowhere. Anyways, For today, I have for you two stories that are about so-called curses. One is a personal story, and the other is a story that I've been fascinated with for years. So I guess I'll start with my own story, because that one's sort of the easiest, and I kind of want to get it out of the way so I don't have to think about it again. A few years ago, I went with a group of friends to Cuba for a week. It was the classic Canadian winter vacation. So you go to a resort and you eat and drink with friends for a week in the middle of shit Manitoba winter. So when we did one of those vacations, we always planned at least one excursion off the resort. So at least we were getting out and doing something. So in this case, a few of us planned a day trip to Old Havana And Old Havana is everything that you hope it's going to be. It's so beautiful and vibrant. Everything and everyone is colorful and vibrant. And it's the kind of place, it looks like you're going to run into a young, drunk Ernest Hemingway. It's just so beautiful. Anyway, so we're in the middle of Old Havana with like the colorful buildings and the people and all the poor stray dogs, which ruins me. And there's some kind of street circus happening. So there are people, it's like warm and sunny and the streets are so busy and it smells like cigars and street food and lots of laughter. And there are people dressed up in beautiful costumes and there's jugglers and people walking on stilts and people making balloon animals. And they're walking up and down the street in a big group while everybody sort of stands on the side and watches. Now, As you probably know by now, I'm a photographer, so all I have on me at this moment is my camera. I don't have pockets or anything because most of the time girl pants don't fucking have pockets. So Jared has our backpack with our money and our water and all the other things that we sort of like had brought with us. So as we're watching, there is a woman on stilts with a bag and she's moving her way through the crowd closer and closer, and she's holding out a bag to each person to put something in. I'm assuming she's getting like donations, right? So 
She gets closer to us and Jared, who's directly beside me and almost sort of standing in front of me. He reaches in his pocket and he puts something in like a few coins or whatever. And then she looks at me and shoves the bag at me. And now I don't have anything because Jared has the backpack and I don't have pockets. So I sort of shake my head and I put my hands up in that universal gesture to say like, I don't have anything. And her face instantly darkens. And when I say darkens, I mean it sort of twists and I can see that even behind her bright, sparkly purple and green makeup, she's angry. And a second later, before I realize what's happening, she sort of does this thing with her hands flying around my face and my stomach and then makes her fingers into like a sort of little cone, like how you think sort of like an angry Italian would do. And then she makes a motion like she's grabbing something from my mouth, from in front of my mouth, and then turns her pointed fingers back towards herself and acts like she swallows or like she did swallow. And at that instant, I felt my body get so cold, even though I was standing in the middle of Old Havana on a hot 37 degree street And in the inside of my stomach, it started to feel like it was twisting. You know that feeling of fear when it is hard to move your arms and legs and everything feels really heavy? I felt that instantly. I had a really hard time catching my breath and I felt like I was going to pass out. I remember seeing sort of lights flickering in my eyes and it happened so fast that I don't feel like I had time to react or understand what just happened. But... By the time I feel like I can get air into my chest properly, I turn my head and I look to see her doing the exact same thing to my friend Peppy, who's with us. And as soon as she makes the same swallow motion, I see that his face is extremely pale and it looks like he is also having a hard time catching his breath. So apparently... Out of the five of us that were approached by this person, Peppy and I were the only two people that didn't hand over any money, and we were the only two people she made this weird gesture to. So we finish our tour of Havana, and I'm a little bit shaken, and by that night, Peppy and I are sick. We are sick, like toilet hugging, sweating, stomach cramps, barfing and shitting at the same time, sick. And none of the other people that came with us to Old Havana are sick. We ate and drank literally everything the same. We were on the same bus. We had the same everything. But him and I are the only sick ones. Coincidence? Maybe. Bad luck? Maybe. Anxiety? Maybe. I have a lot of anxiety. For sure, it could be any of those very reasonable things. But let me tell you this. I am a child of trauma. I had an extremely abusive stepdad from the ages of 4 to 16. And let me tell you, I have learned that the only thing that I can trust is my intuition and my gut. And the second this woman motioned at me, everything inside my body was screaming that something is not okay. Now, Peppy and I were definitely off for the rest of that vacation. We had a couple days left. The worst was the very first night and then the next day, but it definitely lingered. And that woman's face 
her glittery makeup and the way that she was moving on the stilts, the color of the bag, is it's burnt into my memory. The feeling in my stomach that I felt was burnt into my memory, even almost 10 years later. Now, could that have all been our heads, in our heads and because of imagination? Yes, maybe. Stranger things have happened. But all I have is my instinct and everything in me says that that was bad news bears. So that's enough about that because it's making me uncomfortable just having to replay that woman's face and that whole scenario in my mind. So moving on, I want to talk about the curious case of Christopher Case. Now, I heard about this story years ago in a book somewhere when I was young, and it has stuck with me for a long time. So I'm going to give you the timeline that I was able to piece together from about 15 different really poorly written articles and about 10 YouTube videos. And also there is an Australian version of Unsolved Mysteries, and I have watched that like six times. So this is the case of Christopher Case and Christopher Case's last week. A lot of these articles that I was reading didn't really cite their sources properly, which is really annoying, but there are legitimate articles in the Seattle Times and the Los Angeles Times that refer to Christopher Case. He was also in an article in like Spin Magazine. So he was for sure a real person and he is for sure dead. That is without a doubt. So Uh, The Australian show uh, is called The Extraordinary, and they did a big segment on this case in like the middle 90s. Uh, They're basically like a North American unsolved mysteries. So I'm sure most of you, if you're listening, you've probably seen that show. Now, Christopher Case was a manager and an artist in Seattle for Muzak. Probably you know what Muzak is and maybe have never heard that that's what it's actually called. So It's the company that makes that really soft elevator music with no lyrics. Christopher was 35, so he was pretty young. Him and I are pretty close to the same age. Um, He always had been passionate about music, and specifically, he had a love for ancient music. He regularly hired out orchestras around the U.S., mostly in California, to create the Muzak songs that you would hear for the company. So he was from North Carolina And one of his closest friends was Sammy Souter from North Carolina, who would eventually be the one that would call in the welfare check for her friend before the police found his body. Now, I'm going to read to you directly from the Seattle Times online archive post. Officers found Case's clothed body April 18, 1991, in the waterless tub of his apartment in the 1300 block of North 152nd Avenue in North King County after they were asked to check on him by a woman friend in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Now that was allegedly Sammy. The cause of death was acute myocarditis, said Rich Garner, who was the medical investigator in the King County Medical Examiner's Office. There was no sign of a crime, no sign of violence, robbery, or foul play, Garner said. About 10 burned-down candles and crucifixes were found by investigating officers in Case's apartment, and lines of salt had been poured along the base of the apartment walls. So that is from the Seattle Times online 
on the line archive post. Learn how to speak, Tony. Okay, so side note here from the Mayo Clinic online, because I did look into that. Myocarditis is an inflammation of the heart muscle. Myocarditis can affect your heart muscle and your heart's electrical system, reducing your heart's ability to pump and causing rapid or abnormal heart rhythms. A viral infection usually causes myocarditis, but it can result from a reaction to drugs or be part of a more general inflammatory condition. Signs and symptoms include chest pain, fatigue, shortness of breath, and arrhythmias. So the timeline I was able to piece together is as follows. On Thursday, April 11th, 1991, Case traveled to San Francisco on a business trip. On that trip, he met a woman who apparently had the same love for ancient music as Christopher. And according to what he told friends and then friends told the police and the press, him and the woman had dinner together. During the dinner, the woman sort of made some advances towards Case, which he claims he politely declined. And articles that I was able to find say that Christopher's friends, family, co-workers, they all described him as a really nice guy who always kept in contact with family and friends, but he was a bit of a loner and he enjoyed spending most of his time alone. Uh, he worked out quite a bit and listened to music. That was really his life. According to his friends, he was a fitness fanatic and he took a lot of vitamins and supplements. Anyway, even though Christopher claims that he was polite in turning down of the woman's advances, apparently it didn't sit well with her. And he told a friend that she responded by telling him that she was a witch and that she was going to curse him. But take the rejection, you know, and he said that she said, you will be sorry and most likely dead within a week. And Case, who was by all accounts not a superstitious man, he was pretty unbothered by her threats and just fucked off and went home back to Seattle. So around Sunday, April 14th, was when things started to change for Christopher. Maybe they changed before that, but this was the first time he reached out to people. And he told friends that the woman he'd met in San Francisco had been attacking him all night and cutting him. He said he was waking up with little cuts on the end of his fingers um, he confided in his friend Sammy, who was a known psychic, that he heard voices and saw shadows moving throughout the corners of his eyes. And he told her, they're after me. I'm very, very afraid I could die from this. And after calling friends to report this bad sleep that he had, where he felt like he was attacked in the middle of the night, Christopher actually visited this uh, little religious bookstore and shop called Evangelical Inc. And he inquired about ways to remove a curse and combat the paranormal. And the store owner, Rodney, who did an interview on TV and on this Australian show, he told police that he tried to help Case and he assisted him to the best of his ability. Case, I guess, collected a bunch of crucifixes and he even asked if the crosses had been blessed with holy water. So on Tuesday the 16th now, Christopher returned to the same store and he told the owner that he was still afraid and that the witch had been attacking him again and again every night and cutting him. He said he was waking up with little cuts on the end of his fingers and streaks of blood in his bed sheets. And so the store owner actually 
reported when he was interviewed that Christopher looked very different from the first time that he had seen him. He, The second time he came in two days later, he was very tired and very disheveled, and he almost seemed frantic to him. On Wednesday, the 17th, Christopher Case left messages on answering machines of his friends. He seemed, apparently, according to them, he sounded very calm and he basically said goodbye to friends and acquaintances and he hadn't shown up for work in two days, which was very strange for him because he apparently had really loved his job and took it really seriously. So... Christopher talked to his friend Sammy that day, and in an interview, she said that the feeling she got from him was that he was ready to die. He had accepted like he wasn't going to make it through this. And shortly after 8 p.m. that night, Sammy said she had a really bad feeling and she called the Seattle police because Case hadn't been answering his phone all day. So, Police actually went to his apartment for the first time this time, and they knocked and he didn't answer. I guess they tried to look through windows. The door was locked. And they stated in a police report that there was a line of salt from the front door to the back of the apartment. And at some point throughout that afternoon, Christopher had gone to visit a priest at a local church. Now, there is a really brief interview with that priest on the Australian show, The Extraordinary. I couldn't find anything from the US that um, that interviewed anybody, but um, he basically said that something malignant was after Christopher and that Christopher seemed very scared. Um, I don't know if that priest actually tried to help him or if he just was like, well, I can't do anything for you. But on April 18th, uh, Sammy again tried to call Christopher for most of the day and she was worried So when he couldn't be reached, uh, Sammy called the police again for the second time, and police arrived at Christopher's apartment for the second time now at 3.38 in the afternoon. The police entered the apartment forcefully, so I don't know if they picked the lock or broke the door. That wasn't, um, I couldn't find any information on how they actually got in, but they found it a complete mess. There was religious music playing, the apartment had salt lines and salt piles everywhere throughout the whole thing. There were crucifixes and handwritten notes everywhere. And they found Christopher, poor Christopher, this is horrifying. I get goosebumps just thinking about this. They found him in his bathroom in the bathtub and the bathroom was filled with candles that were almost completely burned out. He was fully dressed in the bathtub He was on his knees with his head resting on the edge of the bathtub opposite of the drain. So according to the police report, cold water was running really slowly from the tap and Christopher still had his glasses on. So I found an article online from the Seattle Times from April 22nd, 1991, and the headline says, Occult Clues Baffle Police Probing Weird Death Scene. Now, apparently, I'd have to pay $40 US to read it, and I'm not going to do that because that's going to be like 60 bucks. So if anyone has extra money, please go have a look and read that article for me. So what was it? Was this really a curse? Did he get in his own head and scare himself to death? Was this an underlying medical condition that he wasn't aware of? 
If some of the symptoms of that myocarditis that he was diagnosed with in his autopsy are chest pain, fatigue, shortness of breath, I'm sure he was having those if he was scared enough to visit a priest and a religious bookstore. I fucking can tell you that I had all of those symptoms when that lady pointed her fingers at me and pretended to eat something of like that came out of my mouth, like my soul or whatever it was. So I was having all those same symptoms. So Christopher Case never mentioned the name of the woman that he went to dinner with, and none of his friends ever admitted publicly to being the person that introduced her to Christopher, so nobody knows who this woman is. Did this woman even exist? Or did Christopher have a breakdown that no one knew about and make the whole thing up in his head? So the next time that you're on hold or on an elevator that's playing music, think about Christopher. Was he scared to death? Maybe. Was it a curse? Maybe. Was it all in his head? Who fucking knows? Anyways, that's it for today. I need to light some sage and go listen to some Celine Dion. <laughs> I clear my head. So that's all, my friends. If you have any stories that you'd like to share for future episodes or any comments or any future episode ideas, you can find me at Prosecco and Ponies on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email me at ProseccoWithTony at gmail.com. Stay weird, friends. <laughs>